gonna be a good one, man. Man, these head kicks. <laughs> They're scary. That's something that I always found the, uh, I always thought leg kicks would hurt until I saw this guy's head kicks. Jesus Christ. Oh, I know. It's like, it's not even fair. That just looks painful. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Quinn, with my good friend, Dom DeTola. I feel like we're coming in. That's right. Coming in hot. Uh, we got, you know what? I tried to do the boxing intro because we got this fighter, and that's just what I've been feeling. We got this guy, Marco Krokop. Marco Krokop. Yes. Uh, nickname, uh originally Mirko Filipovich, yeah. actually. And uh, I'd like to say this is our first MMA episode. And I'd also like to say this is actually a subject that one of my great friends, he's like a brother to me. Um, I was in a fraternity with him in Hawaii and bet uh, one of the best men in his wedding, uh, Corin Hooper, who's one of our listeners. Great guy. So uh, we got some Mirko Crow Cop for you there, buddy. Yeah, this guy was ridiculous. I, I was talking about this before. We're not the biggest uh, MMA guys. I don't watch it all the time kind of thing. But, man, watching this guy destroy people was... It's just mean <laughs> what he's doing. Yeah. Good God. He The fake kicking to the essentially to the stomach, and you're like, oh, I don't want him to kick me in the stomach <laughs> anymore. And then he rips you with a headshot, and you're just like... Oh, man, yeah. I can't imagine being the wife of one of the opposing fighters for him. Just like, oh, he's going to die. Yeah, no, it God. seriously must be like Marge Simpson in that episode. <laughs> Stop the fight! Yeah. There's no most Sizzlack coming in on the fan man thing for you. This is all the Croatian sensation not named Tony Kukoc. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right, so born September 10th, 74, and uh, how do you pronounce that? Vinkovic? Vinkovic? Vinkovici, Vin, Vin, I, look, I don't know Eastern Croatia. Eastern Croatia. Cro well, I'm going to say outside of Zagreb, yeah. which is like, I believe, the capital and biggest city. Yes. So yeah, Zagreb. Let's just call it that. Um, one of my favorite things from this entire research was after watching the movie Bloodsport. Oh my God. <laughs> he got into kickboxing. Because he was he was a boxer. Like his dad um, was, I believe, an erect... A, Erectical, electrical engineer for we'll the railroad, it. and uh, he would uh, he built like a makeshift punching bag in yep. the garage. Gave him some like train track pieces to lift with. Like he's going full Rocky in Rocky Four in his garage. Yeah, you think that that uh, all those scenes about when Rocky goes to Russia, are like that's eh, a little bullshit. You're like, no, that was completely accurate. <laughs> yeah, for this guy at least. But no, like uh, it was cool because I was. Um, reading about kind of how he got started and when you mentioned blood sport and i had read that and laughed because i thought i'd be a great kickboxer because i love blood sport oh so much. i mean stan bush's fight to survive kumite kumite and then i realized oh i like baseball that suits me a lot more than this my movie was more heavyweights <laughs> I felt like that was more my lane. Like I would watch Bloodsport and be like, nah, that's not me. A gem and Judd Apatow's still best movie. Yes. Yes. God damn. I'm feeling skinny, Tony. <laughs> You're all skinny wieners. You just call us skinny wieners. <laughs> all right. We're just we're just uh, we're going just percussizing here right now. There you go. <laughs> So um, his dad actually died when he was 19. He was in the Croatian army. And this is what I was talking about was he was amateur boxer, kickboxer, 
in this in this time there was no real future for it no i mean it was like almost the beginnings of the sport yeah and it was funny that i had read because he's a bigger dude like when he was at his fighting weight he was about 6'2 234 yes he was winning the 100 meter 200 meter and 400 meters in track i mean this is an all-around athlete but he kind of finds his niche not only with boxing but kickboxing especially as it's finally starting to like become a thing in the, in world, the world consciousness yeah, yeah. I want to talk. I want to mention this. He was actually in the Croatian army and petitioned to train with the kickboxing national team. And his colonel said, "Let me see." And I quote: "I don't think you will be a special soldier, but you might be a great fighter." And it's one of those things where it, he was lucky enough to get out of this. Because I think he was a radio... Yeah, uh, he was a radio telegraphist okay. for it. And uh, he had joined, I think, the year before his dad died in 94. So he yep. joined in 93. And for those of you who don't know world history... Yes, that's... In 1993, Croatia is not somewhere you want to be at an age where you can be drafted or join the military. Anywhere in the Balkans region. Yeah, a lot of genocide on both sides for that. Uh, a lot of horrible fighting in that region. Yes, so he was essentially lucky enough that... They saw that he could do kickboxing and get out of, you know, army duty. Yeah, and he did. He was he successfully petitioned and is, you know, the head of the uh, army or I guess one of his superiors signed off on it. Yeah. And even at the time, he was a great amateur boxer. He was 48 and 8 as an amateur boxer. I That's mean, what they is... were saying was they were he was lucky enough that this amateur record and everything was looking at him going pro and that this K1 uh, which was the kickboxing thing was yeah. starting to emerge. Yeah, it's like, oh man, I can kickbox. I don't have to walk by a mass grave after some genocide. I'm digging this. All right. Yeah, it's got to be a different kind of life on that one. Oof. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, so during this time, he leaves uh, the army, but he actually gets into the special police anti-terrorist unit which is so badass oh my god and this is essentially how he's making his money because he's still an amateur and there's no money in boxing no money in kickboxing um and this is where he gets his nickname yes his nickname because as we said before his last name is uh his christian name or catholic i believe for croatians i was gonna say yeah filipovich um but he starts going by Krokop, which is shortened croatian cop yep and it's so badass, though. You're like an anti-terrorism guy, and then on the side, you're just beating people. Yeah. Legally. No, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, so what he this is a decision that he said he makes. He had to quit the anti-terrorist unit, and he quit kickboxing because he said the salaries were so low, nobody could be a professional, except for like one or two guys. It's almost like stand-up comedy oh, with God more damn. violence. Yes, exactly. So he's a so he's an opener. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's an opener. He's like, hey, everybody, are you here to laugh? Welcome to Laughs on Friday night. And he plays with his suspenders. He's yeah. like, whoa, you ready to laugh? And they got to be rainbow suspenders, oh, you, too. I didn't even have to bring that up because you already right? knew you it. You already knew. Um, so he, he makes this decision to go to MMA because this is right when MMA makes its emergence. and Late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. And the money starts coming in. And it's not even that much money, but it's money enough to where they can like survive. Yeah, because uh -huh. so, you have to fight to survive, just like in the Kumite, blood oh, sport. JCVD. He's bringing it all the way back. I'm getting hard at the way he does the splits. <laughs> um, 
But this is essentially where UFC and we see this other fighting. We see Pride FC, which I never used to watch, but I would always, yeah. uh, I would always catch uh, clips of. It's like something you'd catch on ESPN Eight, the Ocho. Oh, it's totally because it's like late nineties, early two thousands, and you're like, oh wow, these guys are really beating the crap out of each other. This is awesome. Well, I think Pride was. Um, it's like kickboxing almost, right? Well, it, it it's it had. The, the rules like UFC, but it had a boxing ring and I think it was in Japan. Yeah, it wasn't like in a cage. It was yes. just like a boxing ring. And yeah. it was different than UFC, but they tried to keep it kind of similar in that mm-hmm. takedowns and all this shit. But we see Crow Cop actually changing some rules and I'll get into that a little bit later. So his first uh, Pride FC fight, he comes in and he's like just wrecking people. Yeah. I mean, his first nine fights, he's undefeated. Yeah. I mean, he's 7 0 2. And I think one of the fights in this, and I tried to mark it, I'm trying to look at my shit, but he knocks down, this wrestler tries to wrestle him. He essentially knocks him down, and the wrestler goes down to all fours. And Krokop does a soccer kick <laughs> to the guy's fucking head. <laughs> and it's yep. scary. The, oh, ref, the ref hops in immediately, like, I don't want to see another one of those. And then <laughs> UFC and pride or like okay nobody's allowed to do soccer <laughs> kicks to the head anymore so if a guy's prone that's why you're not allowed to kick him like that because of crow cop it's like ace ventura at the beginning with a package he's like we're going downtown oh, it's a hundred percent and it was scary that's something about his kicks was one of the best quotes was the right leg would send you to the hospital the left leg would send you to the morgue which is like so bad i mean God. that that's what he was no it's just an just a massive Croatian anti-terrorism person just laying the wood to you. Yes. And I think that helps is that, to his credit, while he was always a great sprawler and can defend wrestling moves, you do not want to try and beat this guy on your feet as with his boxing and kickboxing background. No, like, exactly. You just don't want to do that. He catches you with those kicks, and it's, oh, man, it's it's wonderful. If you ever go back and watch some of his highlights, he is very... Very precise with his kicks. Yeah. Um, so he's undefeated. He wants this title shot that he feels like he deserves against Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah, Fedor Emelianenko. Fedor yeah. Emelianenko. And Fedor has contract disputes with Pride, and they do like an interim belt. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, which is kind of common for fighting, which kind of sucks. A lot of people don't want an interim belt. They want the champion. They whatever take what you can get at this point in this sport though right but we see the this is kind of like the three names that are in the pride heavyweight division and Mm -hmm. everybody says that these three guys are essentially the golden era of pride which is emilianko crow cop and this other guy who uh fights crow cop for the interim title rodrigo uh noguera noguera yeah and what sucks about this fight is crow cop is beating the shit out of him. The bell goes. The ref then signals that it's over. Yeah, and he gets yeah he gets one in on him. And they have to go to this next round because the the ref called it after the bell. Mm-hmm. And then we see Nogueiro take him to the ground, which I think it, I would have to say Krokop is only bad point is being on his back, and he arm bars him and and yeah. ends up beating him because, like you were saying, he's one of the best at stuffing the takedown yeah yeah when you sprawl yeah that that comes up in wrestling a lot yeah Yeah, but once you're on your back it's really hard especially if you're an on your feet fighter to really kind of maintain and try and get back to neutral so because everyone thought that 
Prokop was going to win this fight, go on to to face Vidor, but he ends up losing. And then I believe he gets into which they don't have anymore, which I think is kind of sad because it's so epic, these Grand Prix. Yeah, just like tournaments almost. They are. They're one night, or I think they might be over done over two nights, but the, the semifinal final is one night. Yeah. And it's, yeah, no, like to think that you would go fight, go back to the locker room and then go back out and fight again is fucking crazy. I can't even imagine that. I mean, it's almost like a wrestling tournament the way they had this structured. But yeah, it's just, good God, you're, the, the amount of pounding your body is taking is insane. So um, a couple of wins, and then he gets into this first Grand, P- Grand Prix of this heavyweight, and he's favored. So everybody thinks he's- Yeah, like, he's, he's going to win the whole shebang At yeah. least get to the finals, if not, you know, win it all. And he ends up losing in the first ran- round to Randleman, yeah, uh, Kevin, Kevin Randleman. Randleman. Yeah, mm-hmm. and people say it's one of the biggest upsets ever uh, because they really thought he was going to win. Yeah, no, I mean, and everyone was shocked by this because he was the odds-on favorite to win the whole thing, and Randleman just went out and beat his he ass. Beat his ass. I think it was a first-round knockout. Yeah, like it, it's and that's something I want to bring up with MMA is almost above any other sport, even boxing. The unpredictability is out there where you can just get knocked out out of nowhere and the better fighter might not win, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. There's no like mercy rule, you yeah. know, or I mean, there is, that is the mercy yeah, that rule. Is the, yeah. Exactly. Sorry for saying that, but yeah, it is the mercy rule. It's not like, Oh, well we got like five more innings to score like three runs. Exactly. No, no, that's like, it. You got knocked the fuck out. Yeah. It's <laughs> one and done, baby. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to uh, let you know that our Sports Experience podcast is brought to you by Engel Studio here, and uh, they're here in Tucson for all your recording needs. So following that, he does a seven-win streak. So this is something that people were saying was that's why the Randleman thing was so surprising was sandwiched in between it or is pretty much like this huge win streak. And he, and he ends up defeating Randleman Again. in the rematch. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he beats him. And this is something that... People said was they he wanted to beat him um, on the ground. I thought yeah. that was interesting. So he beat him with a guillotine choke, mm-hmm. the old guillotine choke. <laughs> he put his head in the basket and he took it. And then he fights probably the best wrestler of this era, which is Mark Coleman. Yeah, and that that was a great fight for him. Well, honestly, M- Mark Coleman said, "I'm gonna take him down in the first minute, and he's not gonna get back up." <sighs> Crow cop stuffed. Every single takedown attempt. Yeah, it's he did. one of the best. Like if you watch it, you're just like, God damn it. That's like I love when somebody like a teamer's like, we're gonna come out and beat you or whatever whatever yeah. whatever happens, somebody says is gonna happen and then the exact opposite happens. I'm sure Crow Cop was like, fuck around and find out. Exactly. <laughs> like I bet he just flat out practiced stuffing him and it, it's Well, it, I mean, and that's 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 your one of your main defenses in wrestling as far as um if someone's you know, going to the ground on you and tries to shoot at your legs and shit is if you have a, if you have a quality sprawl, man, you are just going to keep stuffing. Yeah. yeah. And his stand up game is so great that he'll never want to go to the ground. No, That's why never. I love it. Yeah. He'll, he'll kill you while you're on your feet. <laughs> Literally. That's what's so fucking scary. Yeah. But, uh, he does beat Mark Coleman, uh, wins in the first round. And because uh, he was a former heavyweight champ, Coleman. I well, mean. this is what I found so interesting. So uh, 
I think it was three fights in a row he beat three former he did ufc champions and he said when am i going to get a title fight you know because he's just like laying down all these names in the sport yeah all all the people that helped grow ufc yeah sure yeah um so this is still pride era Mm -hmm. of his uh but he keeps wanting fedor but he keeps keeps wanting him yes Mm -hmm. um so he gets him yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to look for in my notes. I was like, this is next, right? He yeah. gets the Fedor fight. And I think these fights were four five-minute rounds. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought after the first round, Krokop was going to take it. Yeah. Like, if you watch that fight, he is dominating first round, dominating first round. And then Fedor just flat out outperforms him. Like, he out-wrestles him, he out yeah. Boxism, like I feel like, but it goes the distance. It goes the distance. I feel like Krokop kind of gets tired in this, but is such a warrior that it goes the distance, and, and Fedor ends up winning. Yeah, I mean the uh, it was na- it was even though he lost, it was yep. the fight of the year by MMAfighting.com and uh, the fight of the decade by Sports Illustrated. I was going to say they August eighteenth, two thousand five. Yeah. They label this two thousand five. Yeah, because it's so technical they're they're both it's a great fight i watched a ton of highlights from it it's oh it's great yeah um two people at top of their game that's Mm -hmm. exactly and that's what krokop said um i think he had a quote after this that there was no shame in losing a fight like this because you're just like yeah that's i mean it had to go one way or another and it just didn't break your way unfortunately exactly exactly and that's what people were sad because the the way it started it looked like he was just going to roll him over for the belt and then yeah this is what fighting is it just you know he turned the tables on him uh-huh so then we get into his 32nd birthday yes his 32nd birthday which is probably the greatest he said it was like the greatest night of his life yeah mm-hmm. um so we get back into these grand prix yeah like, the 2006 i believe grand prix yes mm-hmm. like we were saying so it's heavyweight division so the Weight range is a little bit bigger. Yeah. Some guys are fucking like 30, 40 pounds over him. Some guys are like 20 pounds under him. Like it, it's a it's a wide range. And he's just wrecking them. Oh, he's, he's clobbering them. So this is where he, like we were saying with the other Grand Prix, people were putting him as the favorite. Him and Wanderlei Silva were the favorites mm-hmm. because – feel like Wonderlay might have been taking horse steroids at this point. Possibly. <laughs> because he looks fucking crazy. Oh, he's yoked and he looks not of this planet. Yes, exactly. And I don't think uh, Crow Cop was taking stuff in this era, but this was the era of MMA fighters taking him. So, yeah. it, it, I mean, it's hard to say what anybody was doing because it felt like everybody was fucking taking him. But mm-hmm. so he meets uh, Wonderlay in the in the semis, and people say it was one of the, if not his best, win. It was it was Luther Vandross one shining moment is what it was exactly. It, it so was, he just put it all together. In this time, uh, Wonderlay's the middleweight champion, mm-hmm. and I think he's like two years undefeated. Oh, so geez. everybody was talking about even though he was like a little bit undersized compared the that Krokop shouldn't beat him. And Krokop went out there with one of the best head kicks. Again, oh, one of God. these damn head kicks. And it's like straight up shin to the temple. You it, know? It, it, it would have made JCVD very proud. Oh, I love that. Like it would have That's, spawned a, yeah. another blood sport movie. And dude, we should, we should write a blood sport, but with Krokop. Oh my f- God, let's do it. 
Crow Cop versus, uh, damn it, Dolph Lundgren. Let me get his Zagreb mailing address. It is happening. Mountain of Tony, Montana, cocaine, script written in a day. Bloodsport 2, Electric Boogaloo. Please, Jesus. <laughs> so he beats Vanderlei Silva and then goes on to the finals against uh, Josh Barnett, who was not... I think he was something like 30 pounds heavier than him, but yeah. people, everybody saw that like the real fight was Wonderlay and, and him because Krokop pretty much just dispatched him oh, super totally. quick. Um, but you see that with the Grand Prix and kind of why they stopped was guys could not do multiple fights in a night. Yeah, you, you got to have some juice for these. And I mean, even for the viewers too, because like you don't want everyone to, you know, blow their load in the semifinal and yeah. just have a final of two, you know, punch drunk guys in, as opposed to just training for this one moment. Exactly, because yeah. a lot of these guys get cut and then they have a cut going into the final fight. And yeah. then because they're smart fighters, they immediately open that cut. You know, like it's, it's not, that's why the Grand Prix, you don't see them anymore. But I... This is when I was kind of watching MMA was this was something I always thought was just ridiculously awesome was oh the, yeah the no. winners of the grand prix and he had you know he was excited it was his birthday he said he fought for his late father i mean it was just like probably the career defining moment for him yeah definitely i would i would agree because we see his kind of career sputter after this it's a it's kind of up and down. It's up and I mean, down. But he's an older guy. What is he? Probably thirty two at this thirty three at this point. Well, going this was his yeah. This was his thirty second birthday, yeah. and a lot of people were saying like that's the end of fighters prime. Yeah, you know? like that's kind of where they hit it, and then he goes to UFC. He goes to UFC, and this is where the money starts coming in. And a lot of people thought he should have got a title shot right off the bat. Yeah. But it doesn't end up happening, even though he wins for six of his first seven fights. He does have that one in, uh, it was April 20, or September 21st, 2007 against uh, Gabriel Gonzaga. Yep. And that's kind of where the wheels came off. Well, that's what people sh were talking about was he shouldn't have fought Gabriel Gonzaga. He should have fought, and I forgot who the fucking champ was at that time, but that should have been the fight. And this is why MMA is so unpredictable is Krokop probably was the better fighter, but Gonzaga caught him with one and that's yeah. it. I mean, that there's no, there's no coming back from that. You know, there's no fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, nine inning, you know, there's just a knockout and then you're done. And in the UFC, especially in this time, you couldn't lose against the no name guy and keep going. Yeah. Your, your shots for the uh, title they take a hit. Yeah. They they go down significantly if you can't beat, you know, somebody who's not supposed to be on your level. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what kind of sucks with MMA is some guys don't get the title shots they deserve and then they lose against, you know. It, it's, yeah. And you wonder, like, especially with fighting, you might not get it up against that guy. He might not be attractive enough. Wait, what are we talking about? Oh, I don't uh, know. Sometime and then you cry in the closet for a while and then the other fighter tells you, oh, it happens to all guys. Exactly. But it's it's true because, you know, you might want this other fight and then you're like, <laughs> fuck this fight, you know? But I don't know. That's what sucks with uh, that, just to, just to Chris tangent it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he kind of loses his... The allure is gone almost. Yes, yes. For for a short period of time. Definitely for his U UFC career. Everybody thought he was going to be better than he was. And uh, he decides to sign with the uh, Dream Fighting back in Japan in 2008. Which the only Dream Fight he had 
He just got his nuts pounded on him. Yeah, by a guy named Alistair. Yeah. I mean, that's not a good look for you there, big guy. They actually ended the fight because I think he had three consecutive low blows. Yeah. And the ref was like, all right, we're done. And Krokop was like, no, I want to beat the shit out of this guy. It was so funny. Krokop was like, no, let's keep going. Yeah. They're just like, hey, your name is not Andrew Galata. Yes. Let's take it down a scotch. Exactly. That's why I... I don't understand when the constant low blows, you got to be like, well, wow, that guy is for sure he was going to lose yeah, or, or something. You just never, it, the mindset of some of these fighters are so weird. Yeah. Calling themselves the president and shit. Oh, I love that. I love <laughs> it. So he went, he fought in uh, Japan and then he keeps coming back to UFC and retiring and going to kickboxing and retiring and, and going to UFC and all that other it's like it's like the old girlfriend you just can't seem to leave i mean UFC the, is the one i mean 2008 april uh not april may 18th um he beats uh Mustafa Alturk at uh, UFC 99 and then he went back to dream again. I mean, it's just a whole mess of him just constantly shuttling back and forth. Backslide. But, but he's still winning. I yeah. mean, he's still winning fights and keeping himself relevant, which yes. I find absolutely fascinating. Yes, he definitely has kept up throughout the evolution of MMA. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think like he's one of the guys that you would almost want to see nowadays with the extensive training. Yeah, I mean, he's going to UFC 15 and beating Pat Barry. But then he starts another losing streak where he's losing to Frank Muir at UFC 119. And then he loses to shitty now comedian Brendan Schaub in 2011 yep. at a UFC 128. So it's just kind of a back and forth, but he's still winning and staying relevant. It's just a shame. Like if UFC, if he had the ability to have it as big as it is now, like the Croatian army, he wouldn't have even joined the Croatian army. No, I, mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he would have been drafted, but they would have said telegraphist no you're kicking some ass yeah no seriously back then they were making because to be honest mma fighters don't make a shit ton now yeah um you just brought him up so i'm going to bring up his quote brennan shop asked was asked if he wanted his son to follow in his footsteps and be a mma loser i mean fighter (laughs) and he said i would rather my son be a ring girl they make equal money and they just walk around the ring and that that's just to put it in perspective as how little some of these fighters are are making and that's why i think crow cop kept coming back to be honest though it was yeah you need those paychecks you need those paychecks and i mean he i i love his but he went back to kickboxing yes that's what i wanted to say back in zagreb by kickboxing. Yes. I mean, it's just he can't aw- get away from the sport. I mean, beating Lauren Javier Jorge at the uh, K1 event there. I yeah. mean, come on. He's he's known as one of the greatest kickboxers of his era and then translates that to one of the greatest MMA fighters. Yeah, because, I mean, all of these fighters usually have one, if not two, like, original backgrounds yeah, which leads them to it yep. you know whether it's wrestling or kickboxing or boxing or jujitsu or judo stuff like that like they'll have like one thing under their belt and then they'll try and get all the other pieces coming into it yeah which i think why he was so successful um unfortunately he didn't necessarily win any belts but why he was so successful was he was one of the best kickboxers and like you said one of the best at sprawling and that that's pretty much all you need like if you're not going to put him on the ground he's just going to stand and kick the shit out of you 
But like he's still fighting into the mid uh, 2010s. Yep. I mean, and he's like avenging losses. Like he got a shot at Gonzaga it's, in 2015. Yeah, and he I wanted the shit out of I him. Wanted there. to bring that up, and then he uh, tested positive for HGH. I think in 2016. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. 15. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, then he got the two year ban, but then he had lost a previous fight to Roy Nelson, and that was his last fight ever. Actually, yeah, in 2019, yeah. he avenges his loss and beats Nelson on. Uh, February 16th, 2019. The problem is, is he had a stroke mm -hmm. after the fight. And that pretty which much was, ended it. I was going to say, which resulted from the from the fight, kind of is what they were. Yeah, they said if he got punched in the head again, he could possibly be paralyzed. Yes, yes. And that's the whole crappiest part about it is the fact that he would probably still be fighting right now. Yes, I, because into UFC's, his late forties, UFC having is having all these events and they're bringing back guys like that. He a hundred percent would have been on one of these cards. Yeah, he would have been on the undercard, but still, yeah. Like, but he, people, he's a draw. Yeah, he's an entertaining person to watch. It's like when. They had that uh, uh, how they're setting up that Tyson fight. Yes, you know exactly. the Tyson exhibition. They yes. had that, but uh, you know, but he's less. I would say he's less of an exhibition, and like you were saying, would fight one of these older fighters. Like like uh, I don't think well, Wonderlay does it anymore because he can't get the roids. Yeah. But the other guys, you know <laughs> what I mean, bro. You know who he needs to fight, and I'm saying it right now, and let's make it happen. Herschel Walker. Oh man, I don't know if Herschel. Herschel's probably got about 10 years on him. I was just going to say, is Herschel that much his senior? I think so. Yeah. No, no, no. Herschel was probably early 60s. So yeah. yeah. So it's probably 10 to 12 years on him. I want this to happen and just have an old man brawl. All right. So we need to start preparing our Crow Cop presentation. Yes. Bloodsport 2. The fucking re the match with not a rematch. The I match am with so Herschel good Walker. at PowerPoint, dude. I am making this happen. <laughs> Listen to us, please, Crow Cop. But thirty-eight, eleven, and two at, for his career, which is a damn fine record for oh, somebody that starts good. late. Yeah. You know, I mean, not coming up uh, too uh, too soon. But uh, he's had uh, quite the uh, successful career in public service. I'll say that. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. He he constantly has been involved with public service in Croatia. Yeah, uh-huh. Including from 2003 to 2008, he was a member of Croatian parliament. Yes. And uh, it was funny, actually, one of his fights, I believe in 2016, he ended up getting held up in Canada for some of the work that he did for his anti-terrorism unit. Yeah. Which I find outstanding. We're going to have to hold you here, hey? I don't know uh, what you were doing back there in the Balkans, but uh, maybe some shady type of stuff. Yeah. We're going to have to look into the war crimes. <laughs> yeah. The what? The, the war crimes? Yeah, yeah. Waterboarding them terrorists, eh? Yeah. No. No, he didn't do that. No, but, he... Uh, uh, but you're right. He was constantly a public servant, constantly just a ridiculously good MMA fighter. Yeah. Got to give it up to him. Got to give it up to Mirko Krokop. Hey, everybody. This is just a stock message at the end of every episode. We hope you enjoyed whatever athlete and or team that that episode was about. Just want to say, give us a quick follow on all social media. We have a YouTube channel, the Sports Experience Podcast, and we're on Instagram, Totolo Dominic and myself, C. Quinn Comedy. So give us a follow all around um, we're always recording right here at Angle Studio. Thank you all very much. <laughs>